Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Fried the Burnout Podcast. Hey, Fried fam. I am reading a post that I wrote about two years ago that I still happen to agree with and I never actually posted about terrible pieces of burnout advice. I think that before we start, there's some base things that need to be said. I think that all of this terrible burnout advice exists because burnout is still considered by so many people to be simply a mental health issue or a thought issue rather than the systemic issue that involves all of your bodily systems, your brain, your environment, your relationships, your community, etc. Almost all of the advice that I see out there frequently really actually falls into the burnout prevention category, not the burnout recovery category. And this is another sort of baseline thing that I want to repeat. If you've been around here for a while, this is going to be something that you've heard me say. If you're new to fried, this is something that you might be hearing for the first time. Burnout prevention is stress management, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful, and I'm glad that people do it. And also, many of the techniques that we use during burnout prevention will not apply during burnout recovery. They are not going to be useful. They are not going to help. They're going to create frustration and irritation and everybody that's burnt out already feels like banging their head against a wall without getting crappy advice on top of it. So if you're new around here, please know that I do separate burnout recovery and burnout prevention into two distinct buckets. Are there elements that fit in both buckets? Absolutely. However, a lot of the advice that I see all the time online fits into the prevention bucket when it's purporting to fit into the recovery bucket. And I don't even think that people are doing that on purpose. I'm not trying to diss anybody. I don't think people have bad intentions. I think there's just a lack of awareness of the fact that these are two different things. So the first piece of burnout advice that I see all the time is to create a prevention plan for burnout. Like set your life up so that you don't burn out basically. And it's like, well, if I had done that, Four years ago, maybe we wouldn't have this conversation today, but I am already burnt out and your prevention plan is not going to work. Creating a recovery plan will be necessary. And then once you've recovered, some sort of future burnout prevention plan can be put into place. I like to tell people that they need to create burnout prevention factors, just like the sun, like SPF for your skin. We have BPF for your life, burnout protection factors for your life. But when you are already burnt out, you need to really actually focus on recovery. There are episodes on this. I will try and find the links to them and put them in the show notes for you so that you can listen to more to this differentiation between what things fall into which bucket, into which category. But please know that if somebody's telling you to create a plan to prevent your burnout from getting worse, we're on the wrong track. Second piece of advice that I see all the time is to make a to-do list and cross things off as you go for like a dopamine rush. When you're burnt out, your decision-making and planning center of your brain is offline. Does that mean you can't make any decision and you can't plan anything? Of course not, but it's going to be much more difficult. That part of your brain is not as active as it's meant to be, as it's supposed to be. You don't have access to the same amount of 
oomph in that zone. So if you were to sit down and make a list of all the things that were supposed to help you so you could cross them off, you might just not be able to do it. And then you'll find yourself frustrated. So if you're not going to make a list, then what is it that you do? The thing that we focus on in coaching, whether it's one-on-one or group, the thing that we focus on on coaching is, is what I love to call life pruning. It's where can we find pieces of your life that you can actually just take right off your plate because they don't really need to be done? As a burnt out person, when you hear this, I know that your immediate reaction is everything in my life needs to be done. If everything didn't need to be done, I wouldn't be doing it. And I hear you. And what I'm telling you from so many years of experience is that there's probably 10% of your day that we could eliminate and nothing in your life would really change all that much. Sometimes you do need help to see these things. Another thing that happens when you're burnt out is that you lose your ability to see possibility. So your ability to sort of think outside the box, look at your life creatively, and figure out creative solutions is really diminished. This is one of the reasons that we recommend working with someone, because you need those outside eyes to help you realize what's possible. So I know it might seem like there's nothing in your life that could give. I promise you there's a few things that could give. And cutting those things out buys you back some of your own energy that's being spent on stuff that it doesn't need to be spent on. So instead of adding to-do lists and adding prevention plans to your burnout, what we're doing is cutting out daily tasks that don't need to be done so that you have maybe a tiny bit left over for yourself at the end of the day. Another thing that I see all the time in burnout advice is this idea that you can control your own response to things. No one's responsible for your emotions. You have to manage your emotional response. And while in a beautiful utopian world, I agree with this. No other people are responsible for your emotions. And yes, you must learn on some level to manage them mostly for your own benefit. However, the parts of your brain that are used to manage your emotions are the same parts of your brain that are offline when you're burnt out. So it's not reasonable for us to ask you to just calm down or just rest or just, it's not reasonable for us to say, well, if you would just not explode and look at the situation clearly, everything would be fine. It wouldn't be fine. That's not what your brain is doing. Your emotions are exploding. And so one of the one of the things that needs to happen over time is you need to rebuild a filter, but this needs to be done intentionally on purpose so that that part of your brain gets re-engaged. And this requires, again, oftentimes outside help. It's really hard for you to rewrite scenarios in your in your brain or to reframe things when you are stuck in burnout because we get into the super righteous space, we get into this space where we're overwhelmed, we're not thinking clearly, we have brain fog, and it's hard to see how else we could be viewing this situation and what other emotions might be reasonable. Uh, A couple of months ago, we had Heather Hansen on the podcast, and Heather talked about the fact that you have this inner jury that you're talking to all the time. And this inner jury is not about judging you. It's about advocating for you and getting what you need. And your job is to present your inner jury with information. Now, the information that you have is just the information that you have. But how you tell the story about that information is what 
puts you in a position of being like a lawyer that's fighting for you and telling the jury to support you and a lawyer that's fighting against you and telling your jury to not support you. Pride fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? Cyfox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to cyfoxhealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried. But the information that I think is really critical about this, and I'm not saying it beautifully today, so you might need to go back to that episode with Heather. The information that's critical about this is that the information that both internal lawyers are sharing with your journey to fight for attention is the same information. It's the storytelling that goes around it that convinces the jury or doesn't. So if you are in this place where you can't control your response, one of the things that we do is called the filter method. And we bring you through different versions of the story until we find a different version of the same story that still feels true to you, but is lighter on your emotional life. The more we do that with different stories in your world, the less things are weighing on you. The less things are weighing on you, the more you can recover. The filter method is also um, listed out in my book, The Bounce Back Ability Factor, or if you buy the resentment journal online, then the filter method is also included as a bonus to the resentment journal. So you can get access to it a couple of different ways and you can try and do it yourself, but please don't be frustrated if you have a hard time. This is often an exercise that, that needs another person. My next lovely piece of advice that makes me so happy all the time is if you just do what you love and stay passionate about your work, burnout won't hit you. <laughs> um, passion and purpose are not BPFs. They are not burnout protection factors. Can they help? Yes, but only if they are treated with the proper boundaries and the proper attention and aligned with your actual values. So if you are so passionate about something that you find that it takes you until three o'clock in the morning to realize that you're still doing it and then you haven't slept because you're so excited about this thing that you're doing, if you do that every day for six months, you're not doing yourself any favors. This happens to be especially true for entrepreneurs and founders. I work with a lot of female founders. And I work with a lot of female founders because of this problem. Like you're supposed to not feel like something is work if you're passionate about it, according to Instagram. And that's just absolute nonsense. I love all of you. I love creating this podcast more than anything else I have ever done. And 
I still need to be in the right time and headspace to be able to do it. And I can't do it 24 hours a day. Hell, I can't even do it six hours a day. I'm passionate. I love this. It fuels my purpose. And I have to have limits around it in order to protect the rest of my life. This is a huge piece of my life, but it's not everything. And the last piece of advice that I love to talk about because it is so often misconstrued is exercise. Now, I know you've heard it before. Movement is always important. When you are resting from burnout, I don't want you to lay on the couch for three months straight. I do want you to move your body. Maybe it's yin yoga. Maybe it's tai chi. Maybe it's simply walking around the block really, really slowly. Maybe it's sitting in nature and doing one lap around a baseball field or a soccer field or something. I'm not saying I need you to stop moving completely. I am saying I need you to move. I need you to move intentionally. I need you to move with purpose. And I need you to not push yourself so much that it's increasing your stress response. So if you are doing CrossFit type exercises, HIIT exercises, etc., your stress response will go up in the beginning. Now, this might be different depending on what part of burnout you're in, which is why I don't love the advice as like an overarching idea. Because if you are so jazzed up with adrenaline that you cannot sit down and resting is causing you more strife than moving, then go for a run. Like if you need to use the adrenaline, go for a run with the understanding that you are going to crash afterwards. But if you need to go for the run in order to crash, eventually that will change. But if you're at that stage where your adrenaline is so high that you can't sit still, then use the adrenaline that you have. The wrap up today, which I never wrote originally, so I'm just shooting from the hip right now. The wrap up for today is that it's okay if a piece of advice that you hear, even on fried, if a piece of advice that you hear does not sit well with you, you do not have to do it. If you are mentally fighting something every single time you move toward it, maybe that's not the right choice. If you hear something and it irritates the shit out of you, it's possible that at some point you'll have to do it. <laughs> it's possible. It irritates the shit out of me that I have to not eat as much gluten as I want, but my thyroid says otherwise. In the beginning, though, when you're in the beginning stages of recovery, that's not the time to challenge yourself. We want to cut out a couple of elements, give you some breathing room, start to restructure your stories, and help you move forward in a way that is as aligned as possible. Does that mean that the recovery process is comfortable? No. Does it mean that the recovery process only includes things that you want to do? No. But in the beginning, when you are so built up with frustration, when you are feeling so defeated, when you are judging yourself, when you're afraid of other people's judgment, when you haven't told other people, when there's all this stuff going on, start by sitting with yourself and saying, would I like to move or would I like to sit? Does this thing that I'm listening to align with me right now or can I not even handle that at the moment? We continue to make fried because it continues to help people. But I know that when you first find this podcast, you're looking back and you're like, oh my God, 200 and something episodes. How am I going to figure this out? What do I need to listen to? My encouragement would be to start looking at the episode titles and ignoring every single one that does not hit you. Just ignore them. 
You might find that you scroll through again at a different time and it, something that you totally passed over before is the right thing right now. But start by tuning into yourself and saying, which of these titles hits me in some way, shape, or form that makes me want to press play? And that's the same with the advice. What piece of advice did I hear during this episode that makes me want to go forward with it? If there's something you heard you don't like, let it go. Move away from it. When I'm talking to 8,000 or 20,000 of you at a time, I cannot give advice that's going to be suitable for everybody. It's not possible. So it's okay for what you're hearing to not be perfect. So start by, as soon as you can, tuning into yourself and listening to what Sarah in, in the group program, Sarah teaches you how to tune into your own internal yeses and nos. Start to start trying to tune into, is this a yes for me or is this a no for me? If you start from that place instead of from outside advice, or even if you use that to judge outside advice, then you're going to be starting yourself off in a really great way for your long-term recovery. So that wraps up my terrible burnout advice episode that I wrote about two years ago and still rings true today. If you've had any other terrible advice thrown your way, we'd love to hear about it in the Facebook group. Let us know and we'll see you in there. All right. Bye. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried, the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan.